We are finally approaching the end of the 21st year in the 21st century. And as we are in the midst of the holiday season, I thought I'd do a special episode for today. Today's episode is solely going to focus on spaghetti. For those of you that follow my Instagram account, at the spaghetti podcast, you may be familiar with my Instagram posts, where I include quote of the days and spaghetti facts. I like to include these things because it also helps me learn as I continue to make podcasts and make episodes. Quote of the days are basically just quotes that about resilience that I look at and decide to share with my audience. Same thing with spaghetti facts too. I do some research about spaghetti facts and like interesting or unique things that I learned about spaghetti and I like to document them in my Instagram posts. So for those of you following my Instagram account already, you may be familiar with some of these facts that I'm about to go through today. But if you don't, I'd recommend following my account if you want to learn a bit more about spaghetti while, be- while staying updated on my videos and episodes. This is episode 12 of the Spaghetti Podcast, a special episode, and as always, I hope you guys enjoy. So, spaghetti. We've spent so much time talking about resilience on this podcast, but I feel like we haven't spent enough time talking about spaghetti itself. And this being the last spaghetti episode of the year, or one of the last episodes of the year, I should say, I wanted to do something a little bit special. We're going to look at all of the spaghetti facts that I have compiled in my Instagram and talk about them. On my Instagram posts, I simply display the spaghetti facts, but I don't really narrate about them too much. I may occasionally say, whoa, this is interesting, but we can go into a lot more detail here through a podcast. So that's what I wanted to do today. So let's start off with my very first spaghetti fact. I started doing this on July 15th, to be very exact about the date. And the first fact that I wanted to share about spaghetti was... A single strand of spaghetti is called a spaghetto. That's spaghetti, but with an O instead of an I at the end. So spaghetti itself is, as you may guess, actually a plural word. A plural word, I should say. But sometimes even the word spaghettis with an S at the end may be used. But this is a lot rarer. I've actually never heard the word spaghettis used. I've only heard spaghetti used. So I'm, I'm guessing maybe in parts of Italy, they may say spaghettis or maybe other places around the world, but that's always been interesting to me. I, I could never really imagine pronouncing spaghetti with an S, but, and I didn't know that just a single strand was called a spaghetto, but studying plural and singular relationships, I guess that does make sense. Now we're going to go to another spaghetti fact, if I can pull it up here, right. So, this I find very, very interesting. There's a restaurant in Garden Grove, California, and this restaurant was able to successfully fill a swimming pool with more than 13,780 pounds of pasta. A lot of this consisted of spaghetti, believe it or not, but they were trying to set a world record, and they did. They set, they laid out an entire swimming pool, and they, they filled it up completely with spaghetti. 
And the name of this restaurant in Garden Grove, California is known as Buca di Beppo. I'm really sorry if I'm butchering that, but they did this, I believe, um, around four to five years ago. I could be wrong though. They filled an entire swimming pool, inflatable swimming pool with pasta. And I really wish I was there that day to see it, but looking at it in pictures, it, it looks so, it looks so amazing. It's not your daily sight, of course. And when I say the entire pool was filled with pasta, I mean it. 13,000 pounds of pasta in one swimming pool, which I find crazy. Moving on to our next spaghetti fact, this one has a bit of a backstory and history to it. So on April Fool's Day in 1957, the network BBC, which most of you are probably familiar with, BBC tried to convince viewers that spaghetti actually grew on trees. And they played on the fact that frost, like uh, during colder weather, could impair the flavor of spaghetti, suggesting that spaghetti strands also like become shorter in length. Some, however, also believe that this was the first time BBC staged an April Fool's joke, and they wanted to play on the fact that spaghetti could be changed by nature and nature could affect spaghetti that's which is why it could be grown on trees relatively easily depending on the conditions outside i obviously i wasn't old enough to see this april fool's day commercial or video but i think it's interesting because apparently a lot of people were actually convinced that spaghetti could grow on trees and a few people even tried doing that i think i well, looking at this, I found a few videos of people actually trying to grow spaghetti on trees. And it amazes me how a network like that could actually convince so many people that such a phenomenon could occur with something like spaghetti. And it also defines BBC as one of, the, one of their first April Fool's pranks ever played. And now we see that from time to time on like other news networks. They always have some sort of April Fool's gimmick in there, some sort of thing they throw out just for their audiences, which I like to see. Moving on to our next spaghetti fact. Spaghetti strands actually used to be twice as long as they are now. So originally most spaghetti strands were around 50 centimeters long, but shorter lengths increased in popularity during the latter half of the 20th century. And the reason for this was it, it just became more accessible. Smaller strands are much easier to fit into a boiling pot, and pots are not- pots would have to be really, like, huge in order to accommodate longer spaghetti strands. So, spaghetti producers themselves decided to make strands a lot more smaller to ensure that they could be easily fit into pots. This is one of my favorite spaghetti facts. There is actually a National Spaghetti Day, and it's recognized to take place on January 4th. So it's coming up pretty soon, and trust me, I will have a special episode for National Spaghetti Day. I will not forget about that. Spaghetti National Spaghetti Day is an unofficial holiday, sadly, <laughs> but there is plenty of history with spaghetti and noodles, tracing back all the way to the first century. So I think I've talked about in one of my future spaghetti facts that China was one of the first countries to actually be documented to use spaghetti, um, and. While spaghetti itself, there's a lot more history to pasta than there is spaghetti. Spaghetti, and this kind of makes sense, spaghetti is a lot more recent compared to pasta as a whole, but 
there has been traces of spaghetti being used in the first century and being made, although the form of spaghetti was not really formally adopted until around 500 to 600 years ago. So now something about sauces, spaghetti sauces. The Many of you are probably familiar with marinara sauce. So there's a, there's a special variety of marinara sauce called Paisana marinara sauce. And this is a type of sauce made with Italian plum tomatoes, 100% extra virgin oil, and fresh herbs and spices. This is interesting to me because I actually didn't know there were many different varieties on sauces themselves. Obviously I've read up a lot that there are many different types of pasta. I think in my recent episode I mentioned that there were more than 600 types of pasta. Um, but I didn't know that sauces themselves had varieties within varieties. So. I prefer traditional marinara sauces, but this seems to be more of like a recent development, having 100% um, extra virgin oil, olive oil, and more fresh herbs and spices. I mean, whenever I eat a spaghetti, I usually have to put red chili flakes because I can't handle the... It feels kind of bland for me, and I mentioned this in a previous episode too, but... It seems like this type of marinara sauce is a bit of a step up from the traditional one. And I definitely want to try this out, I'm just not really sure where I could get it here. Moving on to our next spaghetti fact. Um, so this goes back to when spaghetti was first really opened in the US. So a French immigrant named Mr. Zirega, I do not know his first name unfortunately. He was the first to actually open a pastas maker shop in the United States. The shop was opened in Brooklyn, New York in 1848. and. Mr. Zuriga actually came from a family that had a long love for spaghetti. Um, even Zuriga's great-grandchildren continue to produce pasta and sell it even today. Um, and this is more than 170 years after pasta was first introduced to the United States. So Zuriga was credited with introducing spaghetti to the United States, being the first person to do so. And the shop opened in Brooklyn um, in around the 1850s. And just thinking about the United States at the time, um, this was relatively close to the Civil War, and I, I'd imagine that the popularity for foods like pasta had not been too high at the time, but I think having the Im having immigrants come a bit before, um, like a bit before then, uh, may have led to easier access to foods like spaghetti um, when the United States was in a more financially fit situation. So I think that's really, really interesting, personally. Moving on to our next spaghetti fact. Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States, of course, is actually credited with being the first person to introduce pasta to America in 1789. So we saw Mr. Zarega was credited with introducing spaghetti to America. Thomas Jefferson was actually credited with introducing pasta. Um, about 50 years prior to when Zariga came along. And I don't really know too many more details other than that, um, but I, I haven't really read up on how Thomas Jefferson did this, but it's true. Pasta was initially brought to the United States all the way from Italy in 1789. So pasta has been here for a while, but the history of pasta in places like China actually goes way, way beyond. Um, you'd have to go back into like the 80s to see the first the first real use of pasta, which again is really crazy to me how pasta has been used for so long. 
It actually seems a bit more crazy that it took so long for pasta to come to the United States, but that makes sense as different lands were a lot more separated back in the day. Alright, what's next? So we have that in China, spaghetti is often made by hand, whereas in Italy, spaghetti is made through a machine in order to mass produce the pasta. And this makes sense as Italy, as expected, is the biggest producer and consumer of spaghetti in the world. But a lot of spaghetti in China is actually made by hand, workers have to spend a bit more time making the spaghetti, kneading the spaghetti, but at the same time, I feel like China might have a larger labor supply of people who are willing to do that, and I wonder how different the spaghetti would taste over there. Um, I wonder how much of a difference it makes being cooked by hand. I would, I would love to try it out. I mean, I wonder if it would be a hybrid between like some of the ramen noodles or just like noodle dishes in general. So it, that, and I know noodles are a lot more thinner than spaghetti strands. So I guess that's something to consider, um, but I would definitely want to try it out. And now I want to introduce you guys to rainbow spaghetti. So it's actually a lot more popular than I initially imagined. All you really need to do to create rainbow spaghetti or different colors of spaghetti is just add a few drops of food coloring and some tablespoons of oil. I didn't really realize the process was that simple. I thought to actually get different colors of spaghetti, there was more to it, more chemicals involved, but it really all it is is just food coloring. And I don't really tend to see uh, different types of colors of spaghetti, but I do sometimes see different colors of pasta um, I think it's more of just like the, I, I forget the exact name for it, it's more of a curvy style of pasta. I see like dark orange, dark green colors, um, but when it comes to spaghetti, I don't think I've ever seen actual colored spaghetti. Uh, but reading up on rainbow spaghetti, I found out that it is actually pretty popular, and it is even served at a few restaurants throughout the United States. So, I guess that's something to check out or keep in mind every time I make an order of spaghetti. We've got another spaghetti fact. About 240 plates of pasta can be created per bushel of wheat. A bushel of wheat is... I don't really know how to gauge it in terms of size, but to put this into more context, an acre of land full of bushes, bushels of wheat equates to almost 10,000 plates of pasta. And that's just uh, that's obviously just with um, wheat alone. But, and that's not obviously contributing sauce as well, but just the amount of pasta that can be created, 10,000 plates of pasta. And these are just average serving sizes. Um, speaking of serving sizes, I had on my Instagram the other day in one of my daily trivias that Olive Garden's portions of spaghetti are seven times a standard portion of spaghetti. And I don't really think about that when I eat at Olive Garden. I mean, I, I don't... I order from like the main course menu and I don't generally order meatballs and put parmesan or anything like that but I do order full serving of servings of spaghetti and I never really realized that a serving like that a portion like that is seven times as much as a normal portion of spaghetti but at the same time I guess Olive Garden does really give you value for actually choosing to consume spaghetti so that is something I like. Italy produces approximately just under 1.5 million tons of pasta per year. 
Um, to be honest, I thought this number would be a little bit more, but when you're dealing with big numbers, it's really hard to determine what's big, what's that. I mean, can you imagine 1.5 million tons of spaghetti? Honestly, I can't. I, I can't even really begin to contextualize how many, how, just how much pasta that is. Um, but, I mean, that's expected. Um, it's expected that you'll find a big number with Italy, but yeah, that is what it is, I guess. There's also something, there's also such a thing as the National Pasta Association. It's a worldwide organization that organizes events to eat pasta and discuss pasta's history. In fact, the National Pasta Association actually recognizes National Spaghetti Day on January 4th. And there are like events throughout the year in which um, different days for celebrating like different types of pasta, I believe. Um, now, I don't know if these days have any particular history to them. I'm assuming they do, but the National Pasta Association actually goes out of their way to organize these events, or at least determine like when these days are to celebrate the different types of pasta. With so many varieties of pasta, there is a bit of culture with it, and so it's nice to see that this association wants to actually recognize that. Let's see, what else do we got here? The biggest importers of pasta today are the United States, Germany, United Kingdom, and France. And that's not entirely too surprising. Um, the United States really being the only one, uh, only one of those countries uh, across oceans, overseas. Um, but I would expect that given the amount of pasta that the United States has, so many restaurants with pasta, so many chains with pasta, you would have to expect that the United States would be up there in terms of biggest importers. Um, I have a few more spaghetti facts before I probably round out the episode for today. So this is this is quite interesting. A single serving of spaghetti. So this is just your standard size. It's not the seven times as much as you know what Olive Gordon gives you. A single serving of spaghetti has around 220 calories and eight grams of protein. So pasta. This isn't counting the carbohydrates, of course. We know that pasta will have a lot of carbohydrates, but you're getting a decent amount or a decent amount of value, both nutritionally and fillingly, I would say, for just one serving of pasta, which is also why it's one of my favorite foods. I very little can beat pasta for me. And when I say very little, I'm talking about like traditional Indian food per se. Um, in terms of Italian food, I love pasta even more than uh, pizza itself. Um, and so with our with another with our next spaghetti fact, I mentioned previously that spaghetti strands used to be of much longer length. We talked about how earlier in the episode that spaghetti strands used to be around two times as long as they are currently. Well, until towards the end of the 20th century, when smaller spaghetti strands were introduced in order to fit with bowls more easily, that actually was the case. However, the common length of spaghetti strands nowadays are only 10 to 12 inches. And as we talked about earlier, we want to make sure that spaghetti strands are small enough but stiff enough to the point where you can still fit them in a relatively reasonable pot or pan for boiling. This just helps in terms of accessibility and so spaghetti has continued to be packaged like this. And I always find that really really helpful and you know, nice. Alright, we're closing in on around 20 minutes here, so I'm going to wrap up the episode with just a few more spaghetti facts. I have a lot more posted on my Instagram page. You can scroll through like the 50 or so posts that I have if you want to learn a lot more about spaghetti and um, whether that and listen to like quotes that I have too about resilience, some of the main ideas of this podcast. 
but I want to finish the episode by talking about a really interesting spaghetti fact. So World War II was actually a really important period in the history of spaghetti. That's right, a war was very important uh, in terms of uh, the, uh, the effect that it had on spaghetti. During the war, American soldiers came in very close contact with European co- in, with European soldiers, obviously. And when these two soldiers came in contact, tales about spaghetti and requesting for pasta in general were sort of like mingled among the two, uh, the two sets of groups. And for the first time, American spaghetti was actually put in a request to be delivered to the American market more frequently. Now we mentioned that Thomas Jefferson first introduced pasta in around 1789, and spaghetti was introduced by a foreign French immigrant in around the 1850s. But it didn't really take until World War II for spaghetti actually to be requested, um, and like more of its prevalence being established in order to be brought to the United States to consume in America. So that's always been the case, and World War II actually helped. United States soldiers um, become more familiar with European soldiers, and that led to a lot of stories as to how spaghetti can be manufactured, um, different methods that are used to make spaghetti as nicely as possible, as healthy as possible, and Americans ultimately adopted these strategies, and you know, today we have so many varieties in America for spaghetti, uh, for pasta in general, I should say, but even with spaghetti. Um, there's so many different sauces available. If you just go to your local Olive Garden, you'll see so many different types of um, customizable pasta meals. And even with spaghetti itself, I find that you know I can customize it with marinara sauce, pesto sauce, um, even Alfredo sauce if I want to. And I can also have I can also use like that sauce that I was mentioning earlier that has more herbs to it. I've never really tried that, but that is offered at a local Olive Garden near me. Um, <laughs> not to promote Olive Garden or anything, but it's one of my favorite restaurants um, for choosing to eat spaghetti or just pasta in general. It's something I've always really stuck to. Anyway, that concludes our episode for today. We've looked at a lot of spaghetti facts that I've posted on my Instagram page um, within throughout the different posts that I've made, um, talking about spaghetti, updating our podcast. But we've done it. We've come. We're approaching the end of 2021. Um, so my podcast initially started off in June, July of this past year, and so it's been almost half a year now. And I'm happy with the amount of people that I've met as a result of podcasting.、Um, I've been able to follow a lot of accounts and listen to other podcasts as well. That's one of the things that I value the most out of this experience. Not really just making episodes for myself, but also being able to see. Different styles of content and how other podcasters、um, make their videos as well.、And、it's been a good learning experience for me too. As hopefully, as next year comes, I'm able to improve my episodes a bit more and hopefully gain more traction.、Um, this is something that I just wanted to do on the side, just for my own benefit. But I'm really happy with the way it's been working out now, and I'd love to promote more interactivity through my Instagram page. So. I would highly recommend following once again at the Spaghetti Podcast on my Instagram. If you are interested in any updates, if you're interested just to learn a bit more about spaghetti, I've actually even I've actually post I've begun posting daily trivia's on my、uh, Instagram story where you can answer、um, choice questions. So like I use the poll feature on Instagram 
to have like multiple choice questions about spaghetti and these are all just based about the spaghetti facts that I have in my Instagram posts. So if you'd like to try that out, I really recommend following the Instagram account. Um, it will help you stay updated as well as learn a little bit about spaghetti, which I feel is critical to the podcast's success. Break. And our, our next episode is most likely going to be next year. But in case I, but so if I don't post an episode before then, have a happy new year and, we'll, and the Spaghetti Podcast, we'll see you next year. We wish you all a very happy holiday break. Thank you.